I want to invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to Acts 26, verses 1 through 29. Acts 26, verses 1 through 29. As we speak this morning on what Chris has just done, which is to tell your story. Tell your story. Our main statement is this, is that every Christian has a story. Tell it. In the book of the Acts of the early church, in chapter 26, Paul is standing before governing officials, and he's been arrested by the Jews, and he's been accused by the Jews of stirring up trouble, and he's having to give defense for why he is causing so much trouble in Jerusalem. So here we're going to pick up this story in verse number one. I'm just going to read one through 29. And Paul is going to take this opportunity while he is on trial to tell his story. And I want you to hear it. So Agrippa said to Paul, Agrippa, be King Agrippa, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my defense today against the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. By the way, Agrippa was the ruler, the governing ruler over the Jewish area at that time. Verse four. My manner of life for my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This is Paul speaking of his former life. But then in verse 12, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why 
are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, Roman governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king, talking about Agrippa, knows about these things. And to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. Such a powerful statement. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know, know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. This morning, every Christian has a story. We just had the privilege of reading Paul's story. We just had the privilege of hearing Chris's story. And friends, if you belong to Christ, you have a story too. Every story begins the same. The story begins with what I was. First, and you look in the story of Paul, and as we 
heard Chris earlier, he began with how he grew up, how growing up far from God, even from childhood being exposed to all kinds of very difficult things. Paul, in his explanation here in Acts 26, his upbringing was different. His upbringing was very religious in the strictest sense. Paul was a Pharisee. But he was at the same time, while so desperately he wanted to please God, he was actually far from God. You know, the proverb says that even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is pure and right. And while Paul professed religious belief, Paul went to synagogue, Paul went to the temple, Paul had memorized the Torah, his actions of violence and hatred and persecution towards Christians revealed his heart of hatred. You see, you may say, well, I, I can't relate to Chris, I didn't grow up, I grew up in church. Well, Paul grew up in church. You may say, well, I can't really relate to Paul. I didn't grow up in church or around religion. Well, Chris's story he just shared with you. These are two men we're talking about this morning, both with different upbringings, but both with the same story that Jesus came to them. You see, first, when we talk about what we were, it sets the stage for who Jesus is. Principle number two is where he came to me. Not only in every story that a Christian has, we talk about what I was and what we were, but we talk about where he came to me. I was moved that 24 years ago, listening to Chris talk about that moment, it was like it just happened last week. All these removed here, years removed in Paul's story, seeing the bright light, coming face to face with what he was and who Christ is, he remembered it. Now you say, Brother Matt, listen, I came to Jesus as a child. I don't, I don't necessarily remember those things. For some of us, that's been 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. The emphasis is not remembering the emphasis is that he came to you whether you remember every detail or not. And in this story, we learn, Paul says, it was like yesterday. The light shone and Jesus came to me. One of the things that I respect so, so much about one of our former pastors here, uh, Chad Grayson, I know many of you have heard him preach, that Pastor Chad has shared his testimony of how Christ met him on the highway more than I think about any pastor that I've ever heard share. He works it in just about every sermon. And I've always stood in awe of that. That someone could never get over where Jesus found them. What we were, where he came to us, but also in our stories of not just what I was and where he came to me, but who he is. Every person's story is this. It's not just where Jesus 
found me. It's that when he found me, I realized who he was. Notice down in verse number 15. It says this. It says, and I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. This is what happens. This is a testimony. Knowing what you were. Knowing what you have been. Knowing that He came to you. And then when He comes to you, seeing Him for who He is. And it works in conjunction with the next one. Not just who He is, but what He's done. One of the things that I'm absolutely amazed about the story of Paul's testimony in the Acts is that Paul has been breathing murderous threats. He's been persecuting believers. He's been breaking up families. He has been doing the kind of acts of terror that we have just seen, or at least signing off of them. And when Jesus meets Paul, Jesus meets him with grace. With grace. Is this how a terrorist man, an evil man who's been persecuting Christians, is this how this man deserved to meet God? No. But this is where Jesus comes to him and meets him and he meets him with grace. This is what is so amazing about the gospel is the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ that he meets us not to bring us judgment but to bring us grace. The two most Two of the most famous verses in the Bible, you know them. John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I was listening. This has been, gosh, years ago and I was listening to another pastor and I didn't know any better. When I heard it, I just thought, well, I guess that's good. But he said, you know what? Because this is said that God loves the world, that he sent his only son, the inverse of that is also true. He said, you could also say because God so hated sin and so hated sinners that he sent his son into the world to die for them, to deal with the sin problem. And he said that statement to emphasize God's justice. And I sat there and I listened to that and I thought, well, okay, but that doesn't really sound right. Because it's not right. <laughs> it's true that God hates sin. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves sinners. That God loves you and me. That God loves the world. That God did not come into the world counting our trespasses and our sins against us. God did not come into the world and send his son with a hammer or a sword or a gun or a tank or a bomb. God sent Jesus into the world because of love. That's why I love verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might 
be saved through him. You see, every testimony is the same. It's what I was. It's where he came to me. It's who he is. It's what he's done. And then also, it's who I am now. It's who I am now. I wonder if we could go back in time. I wonder if we, Chris, I wonder if we could go back in time. Where are you sitting? There you are right there. 25 years ago, I had a time machine. You know, I'm here with Doc Brown and Marty McFly. We go back to, what year was that? It was, no, it wasn't 1985. That's in the movie. But what year, 25 years ago, what would that be? Y'all help me. 1997. I was alive. Hey. But... Um, Let's say we go back in time, 25 years to 1997, and we find Chris. And we say, Chris, hey, I I just want to tell you something. I'm from the future. (laughs) I just want you to know that you're going to be the chairman of the deacons at the First Baptist Church of Tupelo. (laughs) And I just want you to know that, brother. And that's all I got to say. Chris, what would you have said? You wouldn't have believed it. Because we would be talking to what he was, giving him information about what he was going to be in Christ. You see, this is where Paul ends his testimony in verses 19 through 23. For the sake of time, I'm not going to reread them to you, but he is talking about his ministry as a light to the Gentiles. And to the Jewish people as well, but specifically to the Gentiles, that he went from one persecuting the church to now growing and building the church and being persecuted for the name that he wants persecuted. That's only Jesus. Now, I know you may be thinking, okay, Matt, but that's Chris Burks. Matt, that's the Apostle Paul. Like, he wrote Scripture. It's just not me. I want you to look, though, in verse number 29. The last thing of the testimony of Paul and of Chris and of everybody else is this. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. What's Paul saying? The reason I'm telling you this story is because what God has done in me, he can do for you. This is the good news of the gospel. This is why I wanted Chris to share his story today. Because what God did in Chris, God can do in you. He can do in your husband. He can do in your wife. He can do in your children. There's a story an old southern gospel song it's old now some of you were around when it came out but um, there's a guy by the name of Stuart Hamblin now I grew up my dad 
when I was a kid was really into Western movies. I really appreciate that because now to this day, I still love Western movies. And my favorite for me as a child watching were John Wayne movies. I loved Big Jake, McClintock, oh my goodness, The Cowboys, um, the, what is it, The Sons of Katie Elder, something like that. Yeah, oh man, I wanna go home and just bench some John Wayne. Anyway, John Wayne is a superstar to this day. And he's been passed, I think, since the late 60s. But he kind of lived a riot in a pers- his personal life. And there was a friend of his named Stuart Hamlin who had gone to a Billy Graham crusade and heard the gospel and given his life to Christ. He was a songwriter. And Jesus changed Stuart's life. And he was telling his friend, John Wayne, about what Christ had done in his life. And later, John Wayne did become a believer. In fact, a former Sunday school teacher of mine named Dr. Bob Vincent from Memphis, Tennessee, led John Wayne to Christ years ago. Um, But not in this moment. But his friend, Stuart Hamblin, was talking to John Wayne and inviting him to let Jesus come into his life and change him. He just shared his testimony, much like Chris did, much like Paul did in the Scripture. And he's telling John Wayne, won't you give Jesus your life? And John Wayne raises his hands, and he says, no, just, it's not, it can't be done for me. And Stuart looked at him and said, John, it, it's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. And John Wayne was so arrested by that statement, he said, Stuart, That's beautiful. You need to write a song. And that's where the Southern Gospel song, It Is No Secret, that Stuart Hamblin wrote, Elvis Presley performed, the Gaithers perform in their homecomings. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you with arms open wide. He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Paul said here in the book of the Acts, Oh, Agrippa, this didn't happen in some corner of the world. Agrippa, you know that Jesus lived. You know that he died. You know that his followers believe that he got up from the grave. You know and you've heard of the miracles. You know about the changed lives. Agrippa, this has happened all in front of you. Friends, if God's not real, how do you explain what God has done? If Jesus isn't real, how in the world can you explain a story like Chris Burke's? What got into him if the Holy Spirit in Christ is not real? It is real. 
Because changed lives don't happen in a corner. They happen in front of the whole world. And when you look at what people were and you look at what they've become, not that we become perfect, but we become changed, we can say in agreement to anybody, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms open wide, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. So now it's where it gets personal. I want to ask you today, who is Jesus to you? Do you know about him? At least a little bit. You've heard a little bit this morning. Have you come to this place in your life where you have acknowledged him as the Lord? Or have you maybe been in a place where you've acknowledged that, well, Jesus is real and stuff, but never really given your life to him? Notice Paul said in Acts that I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Meaning, once I was told who Jesus was, I responded in faith. Have you done that? It's one thing to know about him. It's another thing to know him personally. And to know him personally is to respond to him in faith saying, Lord, I believe that you really are the son of God who came into this world dying for my sins, getting up from the grave. And you are the Lord of all. And I'm going to give you my life. And if you haven't done that, friend, you don't know Jesus you may know about him but you don't know him personally and do not have a relationship with him and I am saying there is no reason on earth or in heaven for you to hold out any longer because no matter what you've done whether you've been on the religious end of the spectrum like Paul or the hellion end of the spectrum like Chris. Every single one of us needs a Savior. And if you'll come to Christ today, He will save you. Now, you say, Brother Matt, couldn't I come to Christ just about anywhere? Of course. You can come to Christ Anywhere. Jesus can save anywhere at any time, anyone, anybody. But there is something about the sweet voice of God. Is that it's important that Paul responded when God spoke. Because I want you to be honest with yourself. If you pass up on an opportunity to respond to Christ... Is it more reasonable think, to think that you will come back around later on your own time or that you will just, like you have before, moved on to other things? This is why the Scripture says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. So friends, today, if you do not know Jesus then you need to do that today. We're going to sing here in a couple of minutes. 
And you can come and speak to one of our ministers. If you want, you can hang around and we'll pray with you afterwards and just say, listen, today was for me. I need to trust Christ and follow him. Maybe you're also here. And hearing the testimony of Paul, hearing the testimony of Chris, you realize that I share the same testimony that these brothers do, that Christ has saved me. But somewhere along the way, I've just lost my focus. And today, hearing the stories of these men, I want to anew and afresh just take a moment and say, Lord, I know you're my Lord. I know you're my Savior. But you truly are my Lord, even though I don't treat you that way sometimes. And I want to take a moment here anew and afresh and just say, Lord Jesus, take my life and use me. Use my story. Use me to tell other people about you. If that's you today, you can come and pray with one of us. You can pray right where you are. You let the Holy Spirit have his way. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these moments that we're sharing. Holy Spirit, we know that you work in mysterious ways. And Lord, I pray that if any person's heart in this room has been touched by you today and they know they need to be saved that what has happened in Chris what has happened in Paul has not happened in them and your Holy Spirit has pressed it on their heart right now and is saying this is you you need to give your life to Christ Lord I pray you would give them the courage to respond and come to speak to one of our ministers. Lord, for those of us that, Lord, need just a moment of reconsecration, rededication, to say, Lord, you truly are Lord of all. Take my life. Use me, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you move in wonderful ways this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.